Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome again to VFC. Thanks for being here. Uh, It's a beautiful Sunday uh, morning. So happy to have you here. Uh, Before I jump into our our last sermon in a series on uh, relationships. I want to remind you, uh, next Sunday night at 5.30 is our uh, fall family night. This is one of the biggest ones uh, that we do all year. Uh, probably be a couple thousand people here. It's just a massive event. Uh, you don't, like... If, if you miss the state fair, you don't even need to go to the state fair because there's going to be that much stuff here. Uh, it's an incredible, huge, awesome, fun night for the whole family. And we made a decision that anytime recently made a decision that anytime we get together as a church family, uh, we're going to have some sort of uh, outreach opportunity. And so uh, next Sunday night, there's zero obligation to do this. We're just going to make the opportunity available. Uh, next Sunday night, we will be doing a uh, coat and sock drive. So if you have a, a, a brand new or gently used coat, jacket you would love to bring. Make sure you wash it first, but uh, bring that or brand new socks. If you have gently used socks, do not bring those. That's disgusting. Um, bring brand new brand new socks, and we will be uh, giving those out to the homeless over the next uh, several several months. So uh, next Sunday night, be here, but if you can, bring something with you as well. It be wildly helpful. Okay, uh, so January, I, I went to a doctor, and he said some stuff I didn't like. Uh, and then I went to another doctor, and they said some stuff I didn't really like either. And so there's a lot of little things. I'm not dying. I, mean, I guess we're all dying, but I'm not like, it's not like quick, you know. And so my blood pressure is really high. My cholesterol is really, really high. My red blood cell count was really high. And there's like several other things that, that just weren't very good. And so, uh, so I started making some extreme life adjustments. And then uh, I was doing what my doctors told me to do. And then I'm also researching uh, a, a just a ton of different things. And so I started, I started looking up a lot of uh, what increases or decreases morbidity rates, which is like percentage of chances that, you, that, that they're going to die. And so essentially, if it makes you live longer, I just started doing it, right? And so uh, like one silly example is a, a sauna. I read something that said a sauna uh, at 172 degrees for um, an hour a week, a little over an hour a week, reduces your risk of stroke or heart disease by up to 50%. And so I thought, that's insane. There's no way that's true. So I started researching a whole bunch of stuff, and I, I saw it again at things like Harvard, Harvard Medicine, the Mayo Clinic, like things that are very credible. I keep seeing this kind of stuff, and I thought, okay, if, if it's even close to that, then I'll do it. So now I get in a sauna every single night of, of, of my life. And the way I eat, the way I exercise, I do all these things because if I can do something that increases my chance of, of, of living longer, then absolutely I would do it. And if I were to get up here and say, hey, I've got, if you spend 10 minutes a day doing this, it will give you 10 more years to your life. Every one of you would absolutely start doing it today. If, if I said, hey, if you will just eat green beans every single day, just one green bean every single day, even if you hated green beans, you would eat them if you thought it would add years to your, to your life. Conversely, if I said, hey, if you spend 20 minutes doing these five things every single day, in five years you'll be a multimillionaire, every single one of you would do it. But if I tell you that praying with your spouse for one minute a day reduces your risk of divorce down to 1%, then we all say, ah, is that really true? Ah, it's kind of awkward. I'm pretty busy. I don't know. I could squeeze her in for a minute. 
stats oftentimes paint a, a doomsday picture of, of marriage. But I think it's super important. Statistics should be looked at as warning signs, not prophetic words. And that's a massive difference. Just because statistics are the way they are, that doesn't mean you have to be one of them. But I do think it's important to say, okay, how do we make sure that we set ourselves up for health and success in our marriage? This is from, from Forbes. They studied, they said almost half of first marriages end in divorce. About 60% of second marriages and 70% of third marriages end in divorce. What does that mean? It means the grass is not greener on the other side. They are just as crazy as the current one. So stay with the current one and work it out. 2021, almost 700,000 divorces in our country. 60% of divorced couples cite infidelity as a reason for divorce. This is, this, is, this, is, this is a huge number to me. 72% of couples said they didn't fully understand the commitment involved in marriage before they got married. Shout out to pre-marriage counseling that we have here at VFC. Feel free to sign up for that. Here, 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 here's my point. It's not about my health or my cholesterol. If, if, if you're going to get married or if you currently are married, why not do your best to not only protect your marriage, but make sure you have a healthy and thriving marriage. So I'm going to give you uh, four tips. That, originally it was four tips to a healthy marriage, but there's some things in here for the whole family that's really going to irritate all the teenagers in the room. So thanks for coming today, teenagers. Um, about to irritate you here in just a minute. Uh, so today I turned it into uh, four tips for a healthy family. Uh, first of all, to have a healthy family, keep Jesus at the center. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first, everybody say first, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. There's an order, God first, spouse second, and kids third. Sorry kids, you, you, you're not in the top two in the, the order. You are third place. Especially in, in this, at the 1130 worship there's a lot, of, a lot of college students in here. I know some college dudes. You, you just got here. Welcome to the University of Oklahoma. Happy here. You've been here about a month now, and you already met your soulmate. Congratulations. <laughs> it's cool. You all met three weeks ago, and you know she's the one. And You whisper. Look deep into her eyes, and you whisper, you complete me. <laughs> You're so cute and romantic. And a moron. <laughs> You're dumb. Listen, uh, a human, no offense, guys, no offense, but a lot of offense. Um, a human cannot complete another human. It's not possible. Christy doesn't complete me. We can complement each other. I don't complete her. We, we, we complement each other, but we cannot complete each other. Having your spouse or looking for a spouse that will complete you puts a demand on them that they will never, ever, ever be able to, to meet. And you're not going to be happy because you're expecting them to fill a void in your life that only God can fill. Your spouse cannot fulfill you. Your spouse cannot give you joy. Your spouse cannot give you peace. Because those are fruit of the Holy Spirit. They're not fruit of a healthy marriage. Your kids, they're, they're not one, they're not two. So, so the number one time people get divorced in America is the, within the first year of, of getting marriage. Was looking at the statistic of 72% of couples say they didn't understand what they were getting themselves into. That makes a lot of sense. But you know what the second greatest time is? It's the year after the last kid leaves the house. 
Isn't that something? And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons is because you spent the last 18 to 20-something, maybe even 30-something years, depending on how many kids you have, either getting your identity from your kids or only investing in your kids. And here's what's very, very natural that tends to happen to every single one of us. We wake up one day and we realize, oh my goodness, my kids are growing so fast. And we think my wife was here or my husband was here before. They're going to be here after. We got plenty of time, but the time with my kids are fleeting. And so we give everything to our kids and we forget about our spouse. And when the kids leave, we don't even know who we're talking to or sitting across the room from. So a lot of, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I'll, 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 I'll focus on my, on my wife after my kids get out of the house. One, that's very naive. It's very unhealthy. But also the greatest gift that you can give your children is to love your spouse well in front of your, your kids. To be an example to them and help them understand why they are third. Okay, l- l- listen. My, my kids know that there's a big difference in their level of how much they're in trouble. If they say something disrespectful to Christy. If it's kind of disrespectful, I may say something like, uh, don't talk to your mother like that. But if it's very disrespectful, my response is, don't talk to my wife like that. Uh, and then when I say wife, they know, oh, no, dad's mad, right? Because they, at, at that point, they know. When I say, what about your mom? They think, oh, well, maybe I jumped into the number two category. But as soon as I say, don't you dare talk to my wife like that, oh, yeah, we're still, we're still here. We're still, we're still three. We're still, we're still th- three. And I think, like, all, all of us, tend to at times look for a shortcut to success, right? I think if, if I had 100 very successful financial advisors that came up and they spoke and they said, hey, if you'll do this one thing, you're going to be very wealthy in a very short amount of time. Uh, most of us would say, I'll do it because there's a lot of credibility behind it. And I would love to have a shortcut to success in in life, and usually I'm like, there's no secret. It's everything. Just work harder. But I, honestly, I don't think that that's true for marriage. I do think that there is a a secret, and I do think there is a a magic pill. I I really believe that you can lower your chance of divorce from 50 percent to one percent in two minutes a day. Check this out. Family Life surveyed thousands of Christian couples. Less than eight percent of Christian couples pray together every single day. Of the ones that pray together every single day, less than 1% of them ever got divorced. 1%. What if prayer actually is the secret weapon? Couples that pray together literally stay together. It really is that simple. Why is it that simple? Because God works on our heart during prayer. God reminds us of what's important during prayer prayer. You let go of pettiness during prayer. You place him at the center of your, of your house and your marriage during prayer. It's hard to stay mad at somebody when you're praying with someone. So if you, if you make this commitment to pray every single night, no matter what, you're going to be shocked at how, you're, how God continues to change your heart in your marriage. So here's my marriage challenge for you this week. Pray together every single day. And I know there's a lot of, uh, I know, This is tricky for a lot of the married women because you feel like I've been the spiritual leader of my household and I've been dying for my husband to to do this. And so don't put don't put pressure on him. Let me put the pressure on him. Dudes, time to step up and be a man. Be Be a man of God in your house. And I know a lot of dudes are very insecure leading in their families because they don't feel very well equipped. So I'm gonna help you. If you need to write this down, write this down. It's very simple prayer. That dudes, I want you, if you're like, man, I don't do that, like if you already do it, just do what you do. But if you don't, I'm just going to help you. Pray this. Lord, 
Help me be a better husband and father. Thank you for my family. Let us grow in our love for you and each other. Amen. That's it. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't you don't you don't you don't have to go through this these and thous and thus saith the Lord's and thanketh for my family. You don't have to do all that. Just be simple and genuine. Husbands, I'm trying to help you. My name's Adam. I'm your friend. Your wife may start actually listening to you if she thinks you're actually listening to the Lord. To have a healthy marriage, keep Jesus at the center. Uh, number two, to help have a healthy marriage, learn how to fight. And I think there's some of you say, you want me to say uh, you should never fight. That's not realistic for most couples. That's certainly not realistic for, for me. Uh, I've heard couples that say uh, that, they, that they've never gotten an argument with their spouse in their life. Um, I call those couples liars <laughs> or newlyweds, one or the other. Um, <laughs> but I actually have met some couples that they, they say they never argue, and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I know both of you. It, it, it makes sense. So there are a few, and it's super cute to me. So there are a few. <laughs> Most couples fight. Healthy couples fight clean. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. And there's a massive difference. Healthy, healthy couples fight towards a resolution. Unhealthy fights are only concerned about winning. Uh, Christy and I are both very passionate, very passionate. We're both very stubborn. That's not offensive to her. We're both proud of being stubborn. Uh, she can get a little defensive at times. I can be a bit of a jerk a lot of times. Uh, and that combination creates a little bit of a friction. I'll be, I'll be honest. We even fight at church. During church. Sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a video that's on the screen uh, right after worship and right before the sermon. It's called a bumper video in case, in case you're wondering. And so Christy gets done with worship, and she comes back here, and, uh, and I'm like, Christy, you, you went over time like three minutes. And she's like, you go over every single Sunday. You go over on your time every single Sunday. What do you do? And, like, and, then I, and then I walk out and I say, welcome to Victory Family Church. Thanks for being here today. Come to Fall Fest. <laughs> right? We can fight. <laughs> Winning in marriage is not about being right more than your spouse. Winning in marriage is about having a healthy marriage. Dudes act like you're winning and oh, I just showed her, I put her in her place, and you're sleeping on the couch. Bro, you are losing, loser. <laughs> you ain't winning. And every, every one of you, if you've been married long enough, and some of you figured this out before you even got married. You know there's one thing that you can say. There's one mean comment. There's one mean statement. There's one ultimate trump card that you can just throw down and automatically win the argument. You can automatically make the other person shut down. You're frustrated and you want to win so bad that you, you wait for it. You wait for it. You're defensive. You run out of, of constructive things to say. It's a boom. You just throw it down. See, you're just like your father. And you know it's going to destroy them. You wait for it, you wait for it. Well, at least I didn't cheat on you. No, it was years ago. You know it's just going to destroy them. Or you don't know what to say, so you just blow up and start cussing because you know if I can cuss and I can get really loud, then they'll just shut down. Fight's over. Damage is done. Feelings are hurt. And usually what you're arguing about, you know it wasn't even that big of a deal. And now there's all kinds of Extra damage in the marriage. James 1.19, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. That, I would just write that down if I were you. If the Bible says take note, then I just, I mean, you should write down everything in the Bible, but just this is extra. 
everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is everyone. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Some of you are like, I'm just a hothead. That's just how I was created. No, it wasn't. You developed that. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm going to give you a couple quick rules for, for fighting. Number one, don't get personal. Don't tear each other down personally. That doesn't help anything. Uh, number two, leave the past in the past. Like some of you get in a fight, but yeah, well, in 1993, you did this. Stop it. Stop it. You don't leave the past. If you already worked through it, then, then it's, it's, it's over. It's science of the liberty. It is over. Leave it alone, right? Leave your kids out of it. Don't even bring your kids in and be like, well, what do you think? Well, they would hear this. Leave your kids out of it. Leave them and leave your parents out of it. Like some of you trying to bring your parents, like, like you bring your parents in and then your spouse gets over it in about three hours, your, their parents are going to be mad at you for three years. Leave them out of it. Fight when you're both ready. This, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at all, right? Um, my personality is very much like if there's a problem, let's, let, let's find it, let's fix it, let's move on. Like I'm just, that's, that, well, that, that, don't, that, don't, that don't work for Christy. Sometimes she, she needs time finding it. She wants to fix it tomorrow and, and she needs, needs the, and so I tend to just push, but no, no, let's just do it now. Let's just do it. And it's not, not, not my heart's not to be a bully. My heart's just like, I just want to get it over with. I don't have to do this tomorrow. But I have to learn to step back and say, no, we'll wait and we'll, we'll talk about it when, when, she's, when she's ready. And then, you know, it's funny when we wait, usually the next day it ain't that big of a deal anyway. It's like, eh, I don't even care anymore, right? Never, ever, ever threaten divorce. And then lastly, this is the most important one for me. It's probably not the most important for you, but I, I need to say it because it's very important to me. Never, ever, 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 ever quote your pastor during your argument. Look, leave me out of your drama. I don't want, I don't want to be involved. People tell me all, people come to me all the time and like, we were arguing this week and then we were talking about this and then I remembered your message from like four weeks ago and you said this and I was like, well, you remember my Pastor Adams and I'm like, stop it. Leave me out. I, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I just, I'm your pastor. I'm not. Bring, bring Pastor Day into your marriage arguments. Not me. He's happy. He's happy to get involved. I don't know who said this first, but I, I love this. In marriage and life, remember the rule of five. If it doesn't matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes on it today. Have a healthy family. Keep Jesus the center. Fight fair. And then number three, stay pure. This is going to start getting tricky. Y'all ready? Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Ephesians 5, verse 3. But among you, let there not even be a hint. Everybody say hint. Wasn't very good. Everybody say hint. Yeah, now you get it. Of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. This makes some of the areas that we think this kind of a gray area. We can really look at this and say, if it's a gray area, does that mean there's a hint? And if there's a hint, then it's best just to stay away from it because the Bible says, don't let there even be a hint. You can go, well, this is kind of harmless. Maybe it's a hint. The things that you watch may not necessarily be, I mean, it's not like I'm not engaging and I'm just watching it. It's a hint. I write this down. Plugged in online. Plugged in online. It's a, you put TV shows and movies in, in this website and it'll tell you it has this many sexual references, has this many cuss words. These are the cuss words. It says this word this many times, this word that, that many times. Me and Chris look at that for every single movie that we watch. Not just with our kids, but for us too. There's, there's movies that I look up and it's not R-rated movie. It's a PG-13 movie, and I think that looks funny, and I'll look it up, and I'll see that, and like, there's 97 sexual references, and I don't need to watch that. So we don't, it's just, 
I'm going to ask some rhetorical questions. I'm going to let you know it's rhetorical because I don't want you to actually answer. Because a lot of times, I mean, no offense to you guys, most of you are really smart. But a lot of times I ask rhetorical questions, you guys start screaming at me. Then it just gets really awkward. So these are rhetorical, okay? And I think you should pray about it. Read scripture. Figure it out for yourself. Should you be able to sit down and enjoy watching sin? I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just asking you. Think through that. Should sin, watching sin, grieve your spirit if the spirit of God is living inside of you? If your response is it doesn't affect me, which is probably what most of you are thinking, should it affect you? You think about it for yourself. These are all rhetorical. We know this. We know the closer we get to Jesus, the greater our heart is in alignment with his heart. And I think we do know that he doesn't enjoy watching sin. Psalms 119.9 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden, hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Purity needs boundaries. You should all, all write this down. Covenant Eyes. It's an accountability software. I believe every single person in this room should have this on your devices. It's a good one. Maybe you have other ones that are good. There's no one in this room because there's no human Fully human. There's no fully only human that is above a single moment of weakness. Even the great prophets of our faith, even the disciples, all had moments of weakness. So do not be deceived. You are not above a moment of weakness. Oftentimes, a moment of weakness will grab you and lead you down a road you never intended to go. And it will keep you far longer than you intended to stay. When I talk about this kind of stuff, I want to make this conversation very, very easy. Husbands, you should bring this up to your wife in the car today. Hey, let's get some accountability for our devices. Wives, listen to me. Do not interrogate them. Why do you think you need to do this? Do you think that, are you, what did you look at last night? Let me see it right now. Let me check, let me check here. Stop. Don't interrogate him. Don't interrogate him. He, he, he's trying to set his family up for success. So praise him. Tell him he is wise, and then just tell him he's buff, just because it's good. He'll... Whoa, you're so smart and you're buff. Like, I'm just telling you, it's going to be helpful. My name's Adam. I'm your friend. I'm trying to help. I don't have social media anymore, but even when I had social media, my staff, they had passwords to everything. You guys, it's a, it's a progressive commercial, the one that talks about uh, don't turn into your parents. Y'all seen those? Oh, those hilarious? I love those commercials. And there's the, there's the newest one, the guy, he says something about like... Uh, like sliding into my DMs. And he's like, that sounds fun. And the guy's like, no, right? And it's like, like, can you imagine like if somebody would have tried, some lady would have tried to slide into my DMs, they're going to get a response not from me, but from a female creative director being like, thank you for your interest in Pastor Adam. However, ain't going to happen to me. I have some boundaries set up, right? Create a system that keeps you from failing. So you don't have to create a system that restores you back to health. Odds are you'll have to do one or the other. This is from Recovery, Recovery Village website. 25% of internet searches are for pornography. 
35% of all internet downloads are pornographic. 40 million Americans say they regularly visit pornographic sites. 56% of divorce proceedings cite an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. This is not some preacher just wrote a bunch of stats. Psychology Today says, Psychology Today, this is staggering, and most of you won't believe it, so argue with Psychology Today, not me. 73% of females and 98% of males reported internet pornography use in the last six months. Again, I'm not trying to get you to interrogate your spouse right now. I'm trying to get you to set up healthy boundaries so we can be healthy moving forward. Common Sense Media says the average age for someone who visits pornography for the first time is 12 years old. We gasp at that, but don't gasp because that's not the anomaly. That's average. That's the world that we live in. 15% of teenagers said that they first saw online pornography at the age of 10 or younger. Get accountabilities. Get accountability. Set boundaries. Talk to somebody. You're destroying your marriage or destroying your future marriage. Single guys, listen, man, I know a lot of college dudes in this room. Don't think for a second that it's just, I'll, I'll, I'll get over this as soon as I get married. You will not. Research will say pornography addiction is as addicting or more addicting than meth. It's not something that you can just say, I'll just turn off whenever I want to. You better figure it out now. God will forgive you. God will restore you. But you have to give it to God and repent. And you need some help. Purity is not just sexual. It's keeping anything sinful or harmful out of your house. Okay, ready, teenagers? You ready? This is not going to be helpful for you. My son will be 14 next month. My daughter is 12. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what people think about my, my family. I know, I know we're the pastors, so I don't want you to think, like, we, we don't just, like, go home and have a, a – I don't play the acoustic guitar and Christy lead us at night. I'm like, mm, oh, Christy just cooked dinner and we're all – like, we don't do that. I'm just like you. My kids play school sports and they play club sports. Uh, Christy and I are, are, are Uber drivers. We, 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 we work and then we go and, and, and they practice at, at different times, uh, oftentimes at, at different places, and they get done. Like every, everything is staggered. And so we're literally just driving back and forth. So I need to get them food. I need to get them in bed. I need, they need to do their homework. So we're driving back and forth uh, Monday, Tuesday, and uh, Thursday. Every single night of the week, Wednesdays, they, they are at church. And then Friday and Saturday, we're all over the place with them playing soccer. Okay, so, so my kids are very, 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 very busy. And I say that to say, even as busy as they are, my daughter still does not have a cell phone, and my son does have a phone, and it is a uh, pinwheel. And so there's two types of phones I would recommend, a pinwheel and a, and, a, and, a, and a gab. Gab phone. Here's what Beckham can do on his pinwheel. It's crazy. He can make phone calls, and he can text. But even in that, he can only make phone calls and texts to people that we approve. And every single thing that he looks at or that he sees, he doesn't have internet, but everything that he looks at that he sees, that he texts, whatever, goes directly to Christie's computer immediately. Do I not trust my 14-year-old son? <laughs> as much as you can trust a 14-year-old kid, I trust my son. Because I know every single one of you in this room, whether you're 14 or 44 or 64 or 94, you're not above any sort of weakness. So I certainly don't think my 14-year-old is. I told her she don't have anything. I'll get, her, I'll get her the same thing soon. My kids will not have social media until they're 17 years old. 
I know people have told me over the years, well, wait till you get older and you're going to see this and you're going to wait, wait till they become teenagers. I, watch me. I promise you. I, they won't do it. And, and I, here's what I encourage you to do. And I'm not like, if, if, if you parent differently, I'm not saying I figured it out. I'm the best parent the right way. You pray about it. You do whatever. I'm just trying to help you. You do whatever you feel like God has called you to do. Just do it through the lens of, of Scripture, not trying to be your friend's BFF. And that's not a slight, I mean, it is maybe a little bit, but I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to help you. Under, like, I'm not trying to tell you how to parent. Like, I'm not the greatest parent, which is the things that, that we're doing to try to protect my kids. Uh, I would also encourage you to watch the movie Social Dilemma. I think it'll give you a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of insight. Let me read a couple of stats that have been helpful to us. Oh, and if your kids hate me right now, that's fine. The kids, have, teenagers have never prayed more in the middle of a sermon than they are right now. A miracle working God closed my parents' ears. Right? <laughs> Young adults who use social media are three times as likely to suffer from de- depression and suicidal thoughts than teenagers that don't. It's not worth it to me. A 10-year study from BYU discovered teenage girls at age 13 who spent hours on, on social media a day were at a much higher risk for suicide than other young adults. There are several police officers at our church that I've become really good friends with and some that work in the special victims unit and they all say predators find kids on social media. And they're pretty good at it. And I know you say, well, my family is different. Well, we're healthy. Look, I've seen it happen to good kids, good families. Good kids and good families. I just don't personally... I see zero value in it and a million things that could go horribly, horribly wrong. I'm a, I'm a, I am pro highly responsible gun ownership, okay? So I'm going to get some emails from some people. I'm not making political statements today. I'm just trying to make a, an analogy that hopefully is, is helpful. I have, I own guns, okay? I like to hunt. I, I frankly I like to shoot. I've taken both my kids out and they, they enjoy shooting as, as well, okay? But, they have no access in the house to, to my guns, zero. And they don't even know where they're at. And I would never, ever, ever, ever put a loaded handgun on my, on my coffee table and leave the house and say, hey, guys, uh, don't touch this. I wouldn't do it. Now, I, again, I would never do it. I would never do it. But I'm just saying this. I would much rather, and I think it would be much safer for me to take a loaded 9 millimeter and put it on my coffee table of my of my house than to leave a computer open with social media access. Again, I'm never doing the I'm never I'm never doing the first. Okay, I don't need your emails. I'm just saying I feel like that's safer for my kids than what social media is. So to be a healthy family, we've got to stay pure. And then finally to be a healthy family, never give up. Never give up. You know, getting a divorce because you ran out of love is like giving away your car. I mean, sorry. Yeah, giving away your car because you ran out of gas. It just it doesn't make any sense. Love is, is it's, it's a choice. Pastor TJ, he, he, he talked about this and it was so incredible last week. It is a choice. It is a choice. Love is not a, a feeling. And there are going to be times you don't feel like loving each other. And those times that love each other even more. 
Galatians 6, 6, 7 through 9 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please their spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. We know this. We know you're going to reap what you sow, but you also need to understand you will reap where you sow. I'm talking to dudes. Listen to me right now. You... You sow a lot into your business. You may sow a lot into your hobbies. And congratulations, you may be highly successful in a scratch golfer. Which, God willing, one day I will be. No, nah, I don't spend enough time on that. And that's great. But not at the expense of sowing into your family. If you, if you sow into only your business or mostly into your business, into your hobbies and your outside friendships, at the expense of your own family, and you wonder why are things falling apart at home? Because you're going to reap what you sow and where you sow it. Your family is as good as you decide to fight for. One of the greatest joys in my jobs is seeing couples who have lost hope commit to working it out again and seeing their marriage thrive. A great joy in my job is to see the prodigal sons and daughters come back to the Lord. You never know what's going to happen if you give up, but the promise is true. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. That, that verse that said, don't become weary in doing good, but at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your health of your family. Healthy families, it requires a lot of work. Listen, healthy families are also messy families. Look, at, if you think... Adam and Christy, they got this parenting thing figured out. You're an idiot. And I mean that with all the kindness I can muster. We're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, they, oh, they, they, they must have the healthiest family or the healthiest marriage, the healthiest kids. Like, we're just, we're, just, we're just trying to figure it out as we go. We're just trying to keep Jesus at the center of it, trying to pray and do the best we can. It's, it's work, and it's messy. Create boundaries, and listen, it's always going to be worth it. Last night, my son, I was watching football, and he, he was chilling with me on the couch. And he's too big for me now to just be chilling like, like that. You know, he's, his feet are bigger than my feet. They're longer and wider. God's building a big foundation, big kid, I think. So he, like, like he's all up in my grill last night. And I'm like, we don't fit here no more, bro. And he's like, you want me to move? I'm like, nah. I like, I, I, I like it, you know, so it's. And I only say that to say, like, my kids are two of my best friends on planet Earth. I love spending time with my kids. And I think, because they want to chill with me on the couch watching a football game, there's plenty of other spaces that he could have said. I think, I think my kids still like me. And I know that we seem to be maybe a little bit strict, a little bit over, over the top. And my kids got a lot of questions. And frankly, my kids get mad at me a lot because I say no a lot. But I explain to them always when they say, why can't I do, why can't, why, I can't believe this. None of my friends are wrong. I say, it's because I love you so much. And I'm making decisions today that 25-year-old Beckham, I hope, is going to thank me for. Making decisions that may take my daughter a little longer. The 35-year-old London was going to thank me for today. (laughs) 
And I may be wrong, but I'm doing the best I can because I love you guys so much. I've heard people say you cannot be their, their friend. You have to be their parent. And I totally disagree with that. I just think this. You do have to be their parent first. Like you can be their friend, man. We're friends. I even try to get my daughter to talk to me about boys. She doesn't do it, but I want to be her friend. Tell me what the scoop is. You know, I want to know. What's, what you think? <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I want to parent first. I want to lead my family well first. And then I'm going to love my kids and help them understand. I'm making tough decisions that I know you don't like because I believe in your future so much. Let's commit to our kids' future and the future of our, our family. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're grateful for you. God, help us to make the tough decisions. God, help us to, to lead well. God, let us not follow the, the patterns of the world because that ain't working for anybody. Simply let us create families that model what you would want us to model. Great families that model scripture. The heads bowed, eyes closed. I know this message today is not really gospel-centered in a sense of salvation, but but it really kind of is. Because there's some of you in this room that, that Jesus is not the center of your marriage because he's not the center of your life. And other things have become the center. Other things have become your your priority, and we've talked for a month about relationships, and you need to know that the greatest and most important relationship in your, in your life is a relationship with Jesus. Think about a father who loves you so much, he allowed his son to die the most horrific death so you could be saved and so you could be forgiven and so you could be free. He loves you that much. So if you're here in this room, and you just be honest, and you just say, God's not my priority, actually. Jesus is not my, my priority, but I want him to be. You just say, I want to be forgiven of my sins, and I want to begin following Jesus. If that's you all over this room, you say, I want to be forgiven, I want to begin following Jesus. Will you slip your hand up in the air so I can pray for you? Thanks, thanks. Bunch of folks, amen, all over the room. Tons of people, wow. Yeah, thanks. All over, amen. Amen, you can put your hands down. Everybody pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection. Forgive me my sins. Help me to live for you, to honor you, to follow you every moment of my life. Today I'm saved. I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at victoryfamily underscore. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.